Take your Bibles just for a few moments this morning as we go through the Easter story, the story of the resurrection in Luke chapter 24. I'm just going to read through the passage. You can follow along as I read it. And I want to just make a few observations and share another passage and then we'll be through. But the whole purpose of this time of the year when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus is that Jesus Christ rose from the grave. That sets him apart from any other religion, any other denomination, any other faith that could be out there is the fact that we have a risen Savior. So if you would follow along as I read Luke chapter 24, and I'm going to read a few verses here, so hang on and I'll try to read a little quickly. It says, Now on the first day of the week at early dawn, they came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened that while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood there da- them, er, near them in dazzling clothing. And when the woman, women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you which he was, when he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. And when they returned from the tomb, they reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary and the mother of James and the rest of the women were, were with them were there. They were telling these things to the apostles. But these words appeared to them as, a non, as nonsense, and they were not believing them. But Peter stood up and ran to the tomb, and stooping to look in, he saw the linen wrappings only. And he went away by himself, marveling at what, he had, ha- what had happened. I love this next passage here, verse 13. And behold, two of them were going that same day to a village named Emmaus, which was sixty stadia from Jerusalem. And they were conversing with each other about all these things which had happened. And it happened that while they were conversing and debating, Jesus himself approached and was going with them, but their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are these words that you are discussing with one another as you are walking? And they stood still looking sad. And one of them named Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which had happened here in these days? Can you imagine having that conversation with Jesus? They did not know it was Jesus. And they're like, Did you not know what happened here? I mean, can you imagine? There's got to be a little bit of a sense of humor here in God's word. But look at verse 19. And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, The things about Jesus the Nazarene who was a mighty prophet in deed and word in the sight of God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be sentenced of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it is the third day since these things happened. But also some women among us astounded us when they were at the tomb early in the morning, and not finding his body, they came, saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women also said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things coming himself in all the scriptures. 
and they approached the village where they were going, and act, he acted as though he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. And it happened that when he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it. And after breaking it, he was giving it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. He vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? And they stood up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found gathered together the eleven and those with them who were saying, The Lord has really risen and appeared to Simon. And they were relating their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. What an amazing story. And I think it's necessary for us to read through it to be reminded of what took place on that resurrection day. I have just several observations. Well, number one, find verse, verse 3 right away, is that they didn't find the body of Jesus. He was gone. Can you imagine that? Every, I mean, in, in, in the presence of witnesses and, and all kinds of people gathered around, he's put in a borrowed tomb, and all of a sudden now he's gone. Both reminded in verse uh, 3 and verse 6. And I love that verse 6. He is not here, but he is risen. And remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee. He reminded them that this was going to take place. And he is fulfilled. And then in verses 4 and 5, they were asked an interesting question. And I think it's sometimes it's a question that maybe we ought to consider. It says, And it happened that while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. And when the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? Our Savior is risen, therefore he is what? Alive. Say that with me. He is alive. Our Savior is risen. Think about that. Every other religion and denomination under the sun has a ruler that started it, a ruler that, that dictated how it should go, and they're all dead. doesn't matter whether they're Methodist, Catholic, Church of God, Church of Christ, they all have a founder, and they're all dead. The founder of our faith is alive and living. And he lives within me, I know, because I'm his child. In verse 7, we see that prophecy is fulfilled. He said, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. Prophecy fulfilled. In verses 9 through 11, you see the empty tomb was proclaimed but not believed. Think about that. He said, and when they returned from the tomb, they reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the rest of the women with them were, were there, and they were telling these things to the apostles, but these words appeared to them as, what's the word? Nonsense. That can't be. I mean, I know it was prophesied, but no one just dies and comes back to life, right? But Jesus did, because it was prophesied that he would. And then I another find another in interesting observation as he's walking on the road to Emmaus. They, they're approached to him, to him. Can you imagine asking Jesus, have you not heard what took place? I mean, they actually crucified Jesus. And they were walking with him. And didn't know it. It says that they were prevented from knowing. I don't know if they were had their heads down. I don't know if they were in, in, in sadness and, and in an emotional state of despair. But it says that they were preventing from recognizing him until they had partaken of the Lord's table with them. And then they were fully aware of who they were talking to. You know what they wanted? Verse 21. But we were hoping 
that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. They wanted him as a what? Earthly king. I mean, here's this man who can come and redeem us. Here's a man that can come and change everything. Here's a man who can make life better. Have you not seen all the miracles? Have you not heard who he claims to be? Here's a man who can help us. They wanted a physical king to redeem Israel. But he came for so much more than that. See, kings come and go. Kings reign and then lose their reign. Or they die after their reign. Kings are temporary. But our king is eternal. And then verses 25 and 26, I think this is also true of our day and age that we live. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and then he says, and slow of heart to believe. And all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? He says they were slow to believe, slow to trust, slow to truly put all their faith and trust in Jesus and what he had said and what he had proclaimed. But see, this is the gospel. Look at 1 Corinthians in chapter 15. And 1 through 6 says, Now I make known to you, brothers, the gospel which I proclaimed as good news to you, which also you received and which also you stand, by which also you are saved if you hold fast the word which I proclaimed to you as good news, unless you believe for nothing. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. That's the Gospel. That Jesus Christ came. He died, was buried, and then He rose again. That's why often we say when someone is baptized, they are crucifying the old man, right? They are putting the old man, who we are before Christ, to death. And as we stand in the water, we form the cross. Jesus Christ died on the cross. We go under the water, come up out of the water in newness of life. We have put to death the old man. Jesus Christ came. He lived. He died, was buried, and rose again. That's what sets him apart, and that's the gospel message. And then unless you think that there's another way, God's Word reminds us in John chapter uh, 11, verse 25 and 26, He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in Me will live even if He dies. Think about that. And it says, And everyone who lives and believes in Me will never die, ever. He says, Do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross? Do you, if you believe that He came and, and, and died and rose again, then we can have life. What's the phrase someone said? And I'll probably get this wrong, but live once and die twice or die twice and live once. Bottom line is, I want to die to self and live for the Lord. I want to have one physical death and live forever. The bottom line is God says this is available for you. And as children of God, in Philippians chapter 3.20, says our citizenship our livelihood, our life is not here on this earth. It's not here. We build kingdoms here, our own personal kingdoms. We, we, we purchase our, our nice homes and we decorate them and keep them and 
don't get me wrong, be good stewards of what God gives you, but we, we build and build and build as though we're never going to die. We, we establish our own personal kingdoms. We have nice this and nice that and better this and more of that. And we build this kingdom as though we're never going to die. This is not our home as children of God. Heaven is our home. And he's our home if we know him as our Savior. I hope this morning that if you walk away with no other thoughts, I hope you at least walk away with the fact that God loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his son to die on a cross to shed his blood. And he, in fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, it says if he had not shed his blood, there would be no way to have forgiveness of sins. Without the shedding blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And I don't care how sinful you think you are, his blood will cover that sin if you're willing to repent and confess your sins before God. And that's what he says in Romans chapter 3. And we say it often. It's, it's a simple prayer of faith that begins a relationship that's lifelong. In Romans chapter 23 and verse 23, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What's he saying here? We're all sinners. That's the first letter, A, all. All have sinned. I am a sinner. You're a sinner. We're all sinners. But that's why he came and died on the cross. Because we are sinners who could not save ourselves. B, is to believe. And uh, he tells us in, in uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 23, he says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gracious gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He died for us. He gave us a gift. He didn't say, go clean up your life, get everything in order, make sure you don't sin anymore, then you become my child. No, because none of us were able to do that. We cannot be good enough. God's word makes it so clear. He says that your, your best works the very best that you can do, he says, won't cut it. He says, not by works of righteousness, which I have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. And that's exactly what it is. It's his mercy. Because if we got what we deserved, that first part of that birth for the wa- uh, verse, the v- wages of sin is death. What we deserve, our wages for what we have done is death. And that word death in the Bible talks about a spiritual death, eternal separation from God our Father, eternal separation in lake of, a lake of fire. He says, but it doesn't end there. Isn't that awesome? There's a gift. And the gift is free. How many of you ever had to work for a gift? I mean, Christmas morning, oh, sorry, I need you to go shovel the yard or the driveway. I need you to wash the windows. I need you to wash the clothes, put the dishes away, and then you can have this present. I mean, Christmas morning, you can't wait to tear into the gift. When you're a child and you get that birthday gift, you can't wait to tear into it. You don't have to work for a gift. You can't work for a gift. If you work for it, it ceases to be a gift. It's something that you worked for. That's what he says, but the gift of God is eternal life. The gift that he's offering to us is eternal life, salvation in Jesus Christ. And then one more thing. I want to show you in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Some people say, well, I believe that. I believe that. Be careful how you believe. Because God's word says even the devils believe and they tremble. Belief that I believe in has action. It's not passive. Belief that I put my faith and trust in Jesus changes everything. And here's what he says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. He says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Then he says, for with a heart a person believes, leading to righteousness. And with a mouth he confesses, leading to salvation. 
He says there is a belief that becomes spoken. And it's a prayer to God that says, God, I am a sinner. But I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe that you shed your blood so that I can forgiveness. And God, please forgive me of my sin. And I put my trust in you. And every one of us has that opportunity. Why do I know that? Because verse 13 says, For whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Isn't that amazing? He says, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's why we celebrate this season. That's the story of Easter, that Jesus Christ loved us so much that He died on a cross. He gave His life. He shed His blood so that we might have forgiveness of sin. And the reality is, there are a lot of people who believe that one day, when they die, they're going to go to heaven. But it's not because they put their faith and trust in Christ. Maybe it's because they're good works. Maybe because they went to church. Maybe because they helped the poor. Maybe because they were kind and nice to people. But all these things won't matter. What matters is, do I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone? How do I have that confidence? How do I know that? It's really real. I'm glad you asked. 1 John 5.13, last verse. It says, These things I have written to you who believe on the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. He didn't say wish. He didn't say hope. He didn't say think. He said, These things have I written to you that believe that you may know. We can know for certain that He is our Savior, that we are His children, and that heaven is our home. And I hope that this morning that everything points our minds back to that. That Jesus Christ loved us enough to die on a cross so that we could put our faith and trust in Him. That's the story. And that's what I want to leave you with today. Do you know Him? So let's just take a moment and pray. And in just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to what we've heard and seen today. Every Sunday, I ask this couple questions. How would God have you to respond to what you heard? Your response is between you and God. But could we take a moment and just bow our heads, close our eyes, and just for the last minute, let's just take a moment and pray. Dear Father, we come before you this morning, and we thank you for how you've worked in our hearts and our lives. We thank you, Lord, for how we can sing about and glorify your name because of what you've done for us. But Lord, I also want to give those who've never made that decision an opportunity, Lord, to put their faith and trust in you, to start a relationship with you, Lord, that will change their life for all eternity. And I ask, dear Father, Lord, that you would work in all of our hearts, that you would help us, Lord, to be honest and humble, Lord, as we make that decision for you. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I just ask that no one be looking around for a moment. And I just want you to know, I'll never embarrass you. I'll never call you out. But if you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Ken, I don't know that I'm saved. I don't know that I have any confidence. If I were to die, I'd spend eternity in heaven. And maybe I've never been one to really understand who Jesus is. But this morning, God's working in my heart. Maybe this morning, God is saying to you, you're not mine yet. Maybe this morning, God is saying to you, you need to put your faith and trust in me. You're, you're thinking about that. You're questioning that. Would you just simply look at me so I can pray for you? I'll not embarrass you. I'll not call you out. Just look at me so I can pray for you. Anyone like that this morning? Let me catch your eye. 
Anyone else say, Pastor, I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure I would spend eternity in heaven. But I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about that. Would you just look at me? Can I just take and challenge you that have looked to simply say, Lord, I believe. Just talk to God. Just talk to Him like He's right here because His Holy Spirit is here. Say, Lord, I do believe. I believe that You died on the cross. Just talk to Jesus. I believe You died on the cross. I believe that You shed Your blood for my sin. And then ask Jesus to forgive you. Because God's Word says if you ask for forgiveness, He will forgive you. Say, God, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse my heart. And then finally, just, Lord, I put my faith and trust in You alone. God, I'm looking to You to be my Savior. Simple prayer of faith. Say, Pastor Ken, this morning I prayed that prayer. Would you just lift your hand? Anyone like that? Yes, thank you. Anyone else? Just so I can pray for you. Anyone else? Say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer. And for the rest of us, share that gift with others. Share the hope that God has given you with someone who needs that hope. Don't go out and say, saying, Lord, thank you because you, you were on the cross and you gave your life and everything's all hunky-dory. Take a moment and share that with somebody. It will change your life. It will change their life. Lord Jesus, thank you for these who have been honest. Thank you for these who have raised their hand or looked up at me. But God, I pray that you continue to work in all of our hearts, Lord, that our faith would be real that our faith would be active. It wouldn't be just passive, Lord, in that we say we believe, but there is validation because of our works and our service and our commitments to you, Father. God, I pray that you draw us all closer to you and that you do a work in all of our lives this Easter season and beyond. Lord, thank you for the story, Lord. I pray that we would not be those who even though you're in our presence, Lord, we can't see you. God, we know you're here. God, we know that your spirit is with us. And God, we thank you for that. So God, do a work that only you can do as a result of your spirit working within us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.